Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Resky. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. Well, that's why I kind of felt bad. Like the one, the, the, the worst moment for me, talk about uh, cringe moments, was the, the question that I think I kind of flubbed. And then listening to again, I, I kind of recovered a little bit, but I didn't have the right thing to say um, right away. It was in someone says, don't works make you Christ-like? Or do, he said, he, he said, do works make you more Christ-like? And I just talked about this with the lines. I should have said, the whole idea that works make you more Christ-like is like looking at little arrows pointed to your single line, notches on your belt. I did this work. Right. And it makes me a better righteous. It sanctifies me. It climbs me up the single line a little higher. Um. So, you know, I helped a little lady across the street. That's a good work. And now I'm a little more righteous and a little close, a little more Christ-like. Um, and that is, I had just talked about that. That's the complete single line model. That's the whole way of thinking of like, I am going to, through my works, make myself more Christ-like. And it's making your whole Christian faith about you. And thankfully, one of the people in the audience spoke up and said, no, that's the dotted line. And exactly. That's the, that's what I just talked about. The dotted line is in reaction. My work is to focus on Jesus. And that's what, ah, oh, that's. I wish I had this at the tip of my tongue, Greg. You know that verse that says, what is the work? Jesus, Jesus' words. The work of, uh, what is the work that you need to do? The work of, uh, of a believer to is to believe. Even him who's, yeah, to believe. That the work is to believe. And then God is changing your life. And that actually is the fruit of the Spirit. That's Galatians 5, right? So I could have gone right to Galatians 5 saying, no, no, your, your life is going to change. I draw it on my little chart on a dotted line. But the fruit of the Spirit is going to come through as a result of your Christian life, not but it's not the point of your Christian life. So it's one of those things where I thought, oh, I had the right words to say 30 minutes later, like I always do. But at the time, I just kind of fumbled it a little bit. So that's the worst moment I think that I would relive if I could do it again. Huh. You know, if if we were interviewing, let's say the Apostle Paul and Peter were on this podcast <laughs> and we were to yeah. ask them, we and we just asked both of them, as you grow as a Christian, do you, do you find that you repent less and less? No, they would. And, you know, do you become a better and better person? Right. What would they, they say? What would they, they say? They, I'm repenting way more than I ever was before. I am. Exa yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Way. Yes. Yeah. Um. And you. That's a, a truth. I think you've come to as well in your Christian life, right? Like it's. Yeah. I mean, growing when you true spiritual growth is not. Yeah, I mean, as a younger, as a young believer and young follower of Christ, I thought, okay, I'm going to sin less and less. I'm going right. to. But no, the the opposite happens. You because your awareness of your sin as as you walk closer to God, the light gets brighter, and you become more aware of the depth of your own sinfulness. Yeah. And so you need to repent more and more, not less and less. That's right. That's right. That's right. So As Christ, Christ, and that's why the Apostle Paul would say, you know, on the one hand, we would say they're, you know, the, you know, Peter and Paul are like two of the, the, the greatest Christians who've ever lived. But if you, if we were interviewing them, they would say, no, we're the greatest sinners. 
well, where they lived. Because what makes them great is their lines were a billion miles apart. They were so far out on that scale. They had a proper sense of scale, right? Their 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 awareness of God's holiness was massive, and their awareness of their own sin was equally massive in the opposite direction. And they, and they saw that's why that verse said you point out that I did add in uh, Galatians six fourteen. May I never boast. Again, you see, it's not my, my performance. I'm not thinking about me at all. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the growing cross, right? So anyway, yeah. so. Uh, Was there anything else, um, anything else that you took note of? Well, yeah, let me see here. Um, By the uh, way, I found that, that's, that, um, that verse that you were trying to mention is John 6, 29, where Jesus says, the work of God is this. To believe in the one he has sent. John 6 29. 6 29. Yeah, yeah, that's what you need to do. Um and uh it's not and, and, passive. And I mean John, there's something you to do, but you've got to you got you gotta completely stop trusting in your own life and your own works, and you've got to that's what, by the way, it's one of the points I was trying to make about how this rewards thing is so counterproductive. Because the war the if you think you're gonna do really well on the reward scale. You're putting more trust in your own efforts and your works and things you've, you've your spiritual accomplishments that you can be proud of when you stand before the bema seat of Christ, as opposed to saying, "You know what my work is? I'm my, all my trust is transferred from my own performance to you." Hundred percent. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um. Move it. Let's move forward. Yeah. So there were a couple of things like this, just theologically. I thought um, that I could have gone to board. You know, again, people don't remember 5% anyway. Sorry. So it's like you could cram more stuff in, but it's enough. That's why an hour. Like what? Uh, well, um, just the things I learned doing the getting ready for it. Like, uh, I think you and I talked about it on the prep podcast, the prequel, about how John and Charles Wesley were transformed when they read that um, Luther's commentary. Relations from Martin Luther. Yeah. And I think the story I was telling was how they were, they had been missionaries, they were climbing the single line, basically. And they were missionaries and yeah. And then they were at a Bible study where they were the intro. I mean, the Luther's commentary on Galatians was being read out loud. And they got to that verse, the portion where Luther says, so then have we nothing to do? No, nothing. It's all Jesus. And then they kind of like one of them, it wasn't actually the one of the Westies, it was another one of their companions was like started weeping and shaking and, Everyone just started praying for him, and and then later Wesley looked back and said, "I felt my heart strangely warmed, and like that was transformational." Where they realizing it's all by grace. So I, we we talked about that a little bit. That story in the prequel. I didn't have to bring it up this time. I, I, I and I I kind of knew I would not have time to bring that up. Um, but what I found interesting theologically is that in getting ready for this talk, I always thought that was like a great testimony of how the Wesleys were you know, really bought into and understood like sanctification is by grace, not just salvation by grace, but sanctification by grace too. And gospel-driven sanctification that you and I always talk about. But but I think Charles, I get them confused, Craig. I think Charles was the theologian, John was the hymn writer. Well, I think they both wrote some hymns. So the Wesleyans who listen to the podcast can write in and correct me on this. But I think actually later, Charles Wesley disagreed with Luther and became much more a feeling of like personal holiness is achievable in this lifetime. And it's uh, kind of like, like people call it like the holiness movement that he felt like you could get to a point, you know, Jesus starts you off, but you could get to the point where you're living a sinless life and kind of the opposite of what you and I were talking about, kind of the opposite of Luther's view, by the way, and the opposite of the 
the whole idea of the double lines, the whole idea of like, he, he basically, it almost maybe like, remember at one point I said, you can look at the double lines through a single line paradigm. You could say those lines are helpful as long as they help you become a more holy person. <laughs> and mm. maybe, maybe that's what he was doing. I don't know. But I thought when I was studying for it, that was really quite the distinction. Uh, I always thought, you know, that, oh, that, and I remember um, hearing, a, a, um, uh, hearing that much early on in my Christian life from someone who is a Methodist pastor. So he was a follower of Wesley and he talked about the holiness movement, how important that was. And I didn't understand it at the time. Um, but I thought, wow, so that's what he was talking about. Um, it's almost like Pelagianism. We talked about that in a podcast once too, but this notion that, again, through your hard work and effort, you can move from being a lowly two to a five to a seven to a 9.9, maybe even a 10. And actually he would say a 10, you could be a 10. Yeah. How is um, that, how, you know, how does that not equate spiritual pride? I, I just I, don't, I, I don't can't. get it. Like, no. I mean, there used to be these guys, I mean, and there's, there still is, there used to be this guy who would come to the college campus, brother Jed. Yeah. And he would preach. He would tell, he would, you know, just point at people and tell them they're all going to hell. And, yeah. and, uh, and then if you, if you pulled him aside, he, he would say he was, you know, he hadn't sinned in years or something like that. He was living a sinless life. I'm like, I think you just sin by saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, look, look at, look at Paul. I mean, like you just mentioned Peter and Paul, if they were on the podcast, but like Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. I am the chief of sinners. And, um, Romans seven, Romans seven, I sinning constantly. Sin. Absolutely. Romans seven. Um, Philippians three says, I, I put no confidence in the flesh, even though my own righteous, my record of righteous achievement is better than any of you. And I put no confidence in the flesh. I consider all those righteous achievements filthy rags, right? Yeah. Peter, they, Peter, right after he made the great declaration that oh. Christ is the Messiah, stuck his foot in his mouth and said that he wasn't going to let Jesus go to the cross. And G Jesus turns around and says, get behind me, Satan. Right. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus so, is calling Peter Satan, right? He just made like the, the biggest declaration, you know, that he was, you know, you, you know, that Jesus alone had the words of eternal life. He's the Messiah. Yeah. I mean, and P Peter denied Christ. And I think that people say that two so minutes no later, two minutes later, he, yeah. Then he, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. I mean, those guys, um, but Peter's yeah, denial, I, there, I think there's no, there's no one else present. So there, someone else pointed this out. I think this is, I don't know if this is, uh, 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 universally agreed upon, but there's no one else there in the story but Peter. And so, how does anyone know about that story? He told someone, says, Write this down, record this. I deny Christ three times. Uh, Peter, the rock of which a church is built, is the one who said, This this is an important part of the story. You got to get this, get this right. I denied him. And and, and for uh Peter, Keller has a great sermon on this. He's got a great sermon on everything, but Peter had to rebuild his entire identity off of performance and onto trusting in Jesus for his righteousness. He had to make the shift to the double lines, basically. Right. So right. Um, anyway, that, so that was the theological thing. There's one more theological thing, but it was way too deep to get into. And that is about, but um, actually yesterday's study, uh, it came up a little bit because we started talking about James and this no, 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 notion that we distinguish between justification and sanctification, but not everybody in Christianity does. And I don't think the Judaizers 
distinguish that. In other words, they just talked about being justified. They didn't talk about justification and sanctification as two separate things. We say that because we say you're justified the minute you believe. The moment you stop, you transfer your trust from your own self to Jesus, you believe, and at that moment you're declared righteous. And then everything after that is the process of sanctification, how you grow in Christ. But justification just took place at that moment. Whereas a lot of other Christians uh, in the whole body of 2 billion Christians around the world would say, justification takes place at the end of your life. You, you see, if you, you working with God together, you see, depending on how you lived, then you'll be just, you maybe. So we say, I'm just, when I accept Christ, God declares me righteous. Yeah. And they would say, you get, you might get declared righteous if you and God work together hard, hard enough at the end of your life. That's when you'll be justified. And that's a big theological distinction. And I just didn't want to get into it, to be honest. I just kind of just talked about it in the way we've been talking about it, like as justification, sanctification, and kind of moved on. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, I think that was a wise move um, because um, we don't have to. Um, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I think that was, that was, that was a smart thing to do to not um, get um, distracted with, you know, a, a bigger theological argument. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm an amateur anyway. Right. So the part about, and it's sometimes we talk about this, like, is there, there's lots of little theological avenues with every passage we read. You can go down lots of wormholes. Is that really worth doing with our time? Right. Um, yeah. That's why I thought you the way you handled your time was fantastic. And I thought the talk itself was, was great. And I think the guys seem real, um, you know, I pay attention to, you know, they, they were really, um, uh, listening to you and really connecting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I think. Oh, it, great. Well, I mean, just the fact you had like four men, you know, come up to you and, and share that those are the ones who came up to you, you know, and then we've, you've had other people that have said, you really got me to think. Yeah. Um, they, you know, the challenge, the challenge for us in that group is we do have people from like 10 different churches. That's right. So, every church kind of has a different theological bent. And yeah. so you're almost always going to step on somebody's theological toes or doctrinal toes, you know, that's right. So it's, it's, I think you and I are, every time we prepare, we we're aware of that. And um, it's, I think the smart thing to do is to not, um, to not get, sidetracked um to present yeah. to present your views as best as you can and, and then um and not get sidetracked with into theological discussions over doctrines that you know um it's okay if we disagree yeah yeah i think that's right i think that's right and look we by and large we, we uh, as a group agree on the essentials right the bible is god's revealed word the main things are the plain things the main things are the plain things. It's a good way. So to put it. those are the, the you know salvation. That's right. Um, Your faith in Jesus, right? So, yeah. Was there anything else, Jim? Was there anything else that uh, did you make any oh. other notes of changes that you would make? Um, no, I think that's that's it. There's some uh, um, 
Do you wish uh, you had a handout? <laughs> no, I, I don't know if I, a handouts can be good or bad, you know? Um, so, uh, the handout would be nice for your two line. Actually, that might be good. That might be good. Oh, yeah, actually one thing I probably should start. So, um, so for the two line illustration, if anyone listened to it, I try to do an audio description of that. Anyone listening to this podcast could listen to, um, I have applied for a copyright for the, uh, whole illustration together, cool. but probably, yeah. So we should, so we'll see how that goes. But, but I, you know, you and I talked about it. I got the two lines from you like in 2006, 2007. So it was already circulating in Christian circles. You got it from someone else, but not. I assume him. so. I, I don't think I'm smart enough to just like invent that on my own. I mean, um, I mean, sometimes I'm inspired. Like I do feel like um, some of the illustrations that I've shared with the guys have been inspired right by like the two um the two thieves right um the three ways to live i call it the three ways yeah to live. that's really good and your yeah. iceberg illustration that's good too yeah the iceberg i've seen that in different a lot of those are either adapted from somebody else's illustration or um i always try to like i always try to improve it in fact my yeah. three ways to live i'm thinking about changing it from the three ways are follow your follow the rules. Yeah. Follow the flesh. Follow the flesh. Follow I, Jesus. Oh, uh, I like when you say follow your heart. I say follow, yeah. I've been I've been saying follow your heart, but I'm tempted to say follow your flesh because uh, the problem with saying follow your heart is people say, Well, if you're a Christian, then God gives you a new heart. And then, you know, there's a verse says, Delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Yeah, right. Um, there's there's so much about God like, is changing my desire, right? So I, I, right, right, and it should so be changing. really the person on that side. They're, they're they're yeah. I don't know, but I don't know. But, I, I but the problem is like if they say follow the rules, I don't like. Someone says, well, I don't like. I'm not a rule follower. I don't like that. I make fun of it. Follow the flesh. Well, I don't follow the flesh. You know, I I. Uh, but if you say follow your rules versus follow your heart, I think the distinction for me that that I I love that that's, because. That's, that's you feel like that's better, more clear. Yeah, and I say I always tell my kids like if we were growing up, every little kids movie they watch, the 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 moral of the story is follow your heart, follow your heart, kids always. And I would I would we'd debrief talk about the movies, right? And, you know, say is that right? What if my heart says do this awful thing? What if my heart says I want to steal all your money? Yeah, you know, follow my heart. Is that right? And the kids well, no, but all the movies, all the kids movies, oh, you know, what's the most important thing is follow your heart. Right. And so I think that I love it when you say that because they. Or you said just follow the rule. Anyway, I love it when you do that. I okay, change. okay. Well, no, I, well, that's that's why we have these conversations because I I, I want to get feedback and I was just tempted this last time that I spoke on it because somebody did ask a question and they got kind of got confused in that that whole yeah. idea of like, well, wait a minute, following your heart's not always bad because after God you're gives Christian. you a new because God gives you a new heart. But right. I think even after you're a Christian, you can go back to your flesh. You're right. And um Yep. And you're kind of like following your sinful heart. That's right. Like the uh, the guy who was a Christian, and the, I, this is told to me. I wasn't there, but uh, you know, he was in a Bible study. He was having an affair uh, on his wife, and uh, the guys were trying to say convict him of his sin and talk talk to him about it. And he said, "Hey," he held to the Bible and said, "This whole book says God wants me to be happy, and this makes me happy." Okay, he's following his heart. He's a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> he's following his heart, and the guys around him are trying to say, "Dude." Um, that's not what the Bible means. That's not what it says at all. Right. Uh, and you, and you, but he was following his heart. And uh, anyway, Man. 
So yeah, well, he's hey, but the one thing I want to, I'm sorry, what? Oh, go ahead. Well, we've been talking about this illustration for so long, and then I'm talking about the history of how I got it from you and how it was circulating. But but it was part of it was published in 2009. And so as I'm writing this book, I keep talking about, I'm trying to make sure I do the acknowledgement and even in the copyright application to the acknowledgement. Um, I think the authors were Thune and Walker. I don't even know if they're around anymore, or, but, it's, but it was published in 2000. And they didn't copyright the illustration. They copyrighted the, this Bible study booklet that had just the two lines and the cross between them. So that part, yeah. but none of the other, not the single line, not the to compare it to, not the dotted line, not other all the other parts we've kind of, you know, built on that over time. So well, that was in 2009, but you heard it from me from 2006. And we were, I actually have notes. We were speaking on it in your, your college ministry in 2007. Right. So in 2008, I had like PowerPoints using it. So we were already yeah. using it before then. Now, so um, anyway, I try to be careful. Credit, always with credit See, where I, credit is due. I, I would, I have a, I feel like it. I was personal friends with Jerry Bridges. Yeah, he is really big on gospel-driven sanctification. Yeah, and I don't know that he ever like drew that diagram. I mean, I don't think it's in his books. Um, but um, I wonder if if he's part of the source of um, where I got it from. He might have been. He might be the source where others got it from, and then someone in two thousand nine put it in their book and published, right? Yeah. Um. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, that's really cool. I mean, yeah. um, uh, that's cool that you're uh, you're copywriting it, and uh, yeah. A any other final thoughts, Jim? I think this has been a good debrief. Any, yep. any, any no, last words? No, that's look, I'm just really glad you and I got to do kind of a one, two punch on Galatians. It was know, awesome. Kind of, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's such it a critical book and it just, it's so great to just talk about the gospel and Galatians is so perfect for that. So it was, it was just a joy kind of doing it together. It was, it was. And we're moving into um, like Mark, Mark chapters nine through 12. And then you're going to be teaching on first Corinthians 13 love. Is it, is it? That's the love chapter, right? I think, yeah. Yeah, 13 to 16. Yep. That'll be fun. That's awesome. Is that also go into like the resurrected body? Oh, uh, yeah, it might. It, it might, right. Yeah, that'll be interesting. That'll be really interesting. That that goes into like heaven and stuff like that. Like, yeah. Uh, what are our, our uh, um, well, for, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is about the resurrection of Christ. But then there's the resurrection of the dead and the resurrection body. Well, let's leave it there. That's a nice enough enough teaser for our audience to tune back in. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're coming into some good stuff. So uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Attic Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Attic Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.